here, hopefully. You know what I've been talking, I'm ready guys, y'all ready to broadcast, I'm ready. You know, my prayer this morning is that we can be delivered from a mindset that we inherited from our ancestors, you know. Listen, I, I got a lot of good stuff from my parents and grandparents and, and tr traditional things. Man, I've received so many good things. But I have to admit, the older I've got, I discovered that I've also received some things that weren't necessarily the truth. My mother can believe, she believed some stuff, man. I want to tell you, she believed some crazy stuff, didn't she, Charlotte? I mean, about, you know, I don't even want to bring it up today. It's just so bizarre that she really believed certain things that really, I call it superstitious. I mean, she came from Ozark, Alabama, man, and they had like potions and, you know, spells. She put a spell on you, or especially with a belt. She's put a spell on me with a belt many times. But, you know, what we're trying to do is preach this gospel and let people know the truth, the good news. Because we've become victims, not of our own doing. I mean, we, we were born no different than someone who was born in Iran is a victim of the influence there of, of Islam. You know, the chances are people who live in Iran, you know, will, will probably never convert or even believe anything different because they, it was just handed down to them and inherited. They inherited these belief systems and they got it by attrition. They really don't even get it by studying the Bible or knowing what the Bible is. I mean, I went to Bible college, and nobody in Bible college, these professors and doctors of theology, none of them even addressed the questions that make the Bible seem like it was, was, was contradicting itself. I have friends tell me something, the Bible contradicts itself. Not if you really understand it. So what we've been trying to do is understand the true purpose of God. Everybody thinks God just wants to save us, you know, and that, that his son, Jesus, who we know, that's not even a right, the, the proper name. I mean, I, I figure at least we get his name right. On the golf course, you better get the person's name right, hadn't you? Especially uh, Dave Warren. I called him Bob for about eight holes, and finally he let me know he wasn't Bob. He was Dave. I think if you have a personal relationship with God, that the first thing he would probably do is tell you his name. But yet I served God's, I thought. I was in church, Christian, and I didn't even know God's name. I didn't even know that the Bible says there's, only, there's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby which man can be saved. And I thought it was Jesus. Come to find out, Bible translators changed it for all the reasons we studied about and have learned about. History tells us. So it's hard to tell somebody who says they're a Christian these things. So what we do, we pray for them that their eyes will be open. And because a lot of times you, you cannot convince somebody of something that they're already think they're convinced of. And so, what, so we, you just pray for them and you try to share light with them. And I always pray that Yahweh will give them that wonderful gift called repentance. And there's probably not anybody here or, you know, that are, are at some point in their life didn't come to a place and if they have it, that's why we pray. They come to this place that they realize that, look, they, they have this need and they hear that call of God to be part of his purpose in the earth. So we receive it by attrition, not by even knowledge. We receive it by inheritance. I tell you what, you, if you hang around negative people, you by attrition will become a negative person if you're not careful. So those influences in our life and who we hang around, the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. So we know there's influence on our lives. It's like I tell people, if they, if they struggle with alcohol and, and, or in, have been bound by alcoholism, I say, look, don't go to a bar. Don't you think that's smart? Because they just don't need to be influenced in a place that they have a weakness in. So this morning, I want to kind of continue the message of dislocated saints. And what happens is we have an a ideology that what God is doing in the earth is between just you and him. It's personal. It's really nobody else's business. And you can go just be off on your own somewhere, maybe in your favorite hobby, or, or just like to get, lock yourself up in your room and just nobody bother you. And I know those, that ain't nothing wrong with that. But 
They don't understand the very purpose of God, and we've addressed those things. We've talked about house number one, house number two, house number three, which is house number one is me, the individual. Of course there's a relationship there. House number two is the domestic realm. To really set in order a man and his wife and the husband's responsibilities and hers and then children. To get that set in order. And then, of course, you have house number three, the ecclesia. That has to, there's a divine order of God. But there's another area that we are aspiring to, and that is the kingdom of God. Because really, everything is about God's kingdom. And so I'm going to continue today about some things. And, you know, I may refer to some things that maybe you, you may not really get yet. But if you'll hang in there, and like we say, if you'll take this home. You know, the Wednesday night group, I love it because they say, you know, we realize, Johnny... You say things that we don't realize maybe that you even said, but then we go home and listen to it again, and it really brings clarity. I I put on Facebook this morning this. We live in a society today that believes in entitlement. People believe that they should be able to receive things for doing nothing. And I hear people talk bad about it all the time and say, man, that's not right. Why are they like that? Why do they think they are entitled to things? I want to tell you why I believe in America. Because every Sunday in the pulpit of their church, their pastor tells them this. You ain't got to do nothing. Jesus paid it all. In other words, there's an entitlement of somebody paying something. And I believe it's created a psychological dynamic in people's belief systems. And they, because of that, they think there's nothing left to do. It's a work accomplished. He paid the price. Now I can do anything I want to. And so part of that Gospel in America is one of the things that I speak out against because somebody got to tell you. So I want to talk about, and I want us to move. Remember I told you there was four phases that God is establishing, four things that he used to establish his purpose in the earth. Number one was fathers, understanding fatherhood and that he was a father. And when you come come into the, through repentance and faith and baptisms, These are foundational principles. The Bible says, if you don't know these six, you'll never mature. And you'll never be able to enter into the kingdom. So he has these these aspects. During Adam's time, he revealed himself as a father. During during Moses' time, he revealed himself with the law of God, showing his character and how to live. And from Yahshua's time, there was grace. And remember, grace isn't just you getting a free gift and don't have to do anything. It's the empowerment of God in us to do what God asks us. And then, of course, now we're transitioning at the end of this age. We're coming to the end of this aeon, the Bible calls it. We're coming to the end of this age. We had about 2150 or 2200 years, or 2000 years, whatever school is. That, that, that aeon happened. The next aeon happened. The next aeon happened there. Now we're at 6,000 years. Now we're coming to the beginning of the 1,000 years that the Bible prophesied is going to take place, that Yahshua is going to return, and he's going to come physically, literally, and set up his kingdom. Anybody that doesn't believe that is not a Christian and has never really read their Bible. That he will come and establish his kingdom. And what he's doing right now is he is qualifying humans to rule and reign with him on the earth so that the earth will be set up as his kingdom. Because let's face it, you and I know, both know that man really sucks at governing himself. Just look at Washington. I mean, politicians, man cannot govern himself. So that's going to be fixed. And the Bible says that he's going to come not as the lamb like he did the first time, but he's going to come as a lion. If you believe that Yahshua came the first time to earth, that he was born a man, and he was the Lamb of God that died for the sins of the world, hung on the cross, then you've got to know that he's coming back as a lion. And he's qualifying people. He's calling, the Bible says. Many are called, but he's only going to choose a few. What is, choose, them for, choose them, what does that mean? Yes, there is something to be done. We are qualifying, and that's why you should be here today. That's why you should be here on Wednesdays. That's why we are qualifying, learning, and growing. So what I want to move to is from fatherhood, you know, fathering, the law, grace. Now I want to move us 
prepare for what we're all being, all that's preparing us for, and that's the kingdom. The kingdom of God. And so I'm going to begin this part. I don't know how long it's going to last, you know. I mean, today I'm going to try to limit it for you. Yahweh set up this principle in grace in the, in when Yahshua came. And it was a principle that really as Americans looked, I, I'm, I'm from the south. We're going to rise again. You know, I know what it is to be a rebel. Somebody got hallelujah. Got the first amen out of a good old southern boy. Finally. Hey, hallelujah. By the Confederate flag or whatever. I know what it's like to be rebellious. And I'm sure I'm the only one in the church that can relate to that, but uh, bear with me. But what he did, he set up a principle of authority, a principle and a, of submission one to another. And, and we, don't like, we don't like that. We don't want to be responsible for nobody. We don't be responsible to nobody, ultimately, except maybe in our own little world. So as a result, Yahweh was establishing his kingdom or his authority. Let me, work, let me give you a good definition for the word kingdom. King's domain. How many of you know that God is all about government? It's all about doing what he says and wants you to do. But he wants you to do it not because he's forcing you to, but because he loves you. How many of you know that there's people in your life who will do all kind of stuff for you, not because you're making them do it, but they do it because they love you? And there is no greater motivator and there is no greater force in the world than love. And I'm not talking about love American style, this sappy stuff. I'm talking about a mama for her baby love. Not because nobody's going to make her do something, but she, she will ki kill people. She will jump in front of a car. It's that kind of motivation. So he established his authority through Yahshua. He said, okay, the old Adam, the old creation, so to speak, the old Adam messed up. He fell. But now in the new creation, the Bible calls Yahshua the second Adam or the last Adam. So he is the firstborn of the new creation that Yahweh is establishing to accomplish what he wanted on the earth the first time. And that's to have his family. How many of you know that family is about government? It's supposed to be. Y'all with me today? Can't hardly see you, man. They got these lights. I'm melting my eyeballs here. But don't turn the spotlight off of me. But the thing about Yahshua, he was not born with some kind of genetic obedience switch. The Bible says this listen, that he learned to obey through the sufferings he went through. He became the example and he became the way to eternal salvation to everybody else who follows his example and obeys. Through all these things, when he suffered many things, and how many of you know that, you know, suffering it and that God's going to put some disease on you? Okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about for righteousness sake. When you do, when you do good and you suffer things for righteousness sake. Do you know that Yahshua went through many years learning obedience? He too had to mature. He too had to grow. He bore much fruit from his obedience. And this is the miracle part of it. And this is what I think we all need to learn. And he did it without complaining. He did it without, see that's not a good word for church, murmuring. How about that? I know people who have passed through many years of going through all kind of stuff, but yet they didn't learn obedience out of one thing. Some of them it made even harder and blaming God and shaking their fist at him. But when they experienced sufferings, words of frustration came out of their mouth. Man, what is this about? It, I should have never served God. It was, I can't tell the difference between me and somebody who serves God. I can't tell. You know, things ain't happening good for me. That's a whole other message on you're hung by your tongue. When we do that. When we experience these things that God is using to mold us and shape us and give us these experiences that tempers us as men and women of God in preparing us to rule and reign, this, with this frustration comes out of our mouth. It's a mark that you hadn't learned anything. So guess what's probably going to happen if you're serious about serving God? 
you'll be going around the mountain again. Because what God does, he does not socially promote. If you get an F, you're going back to third grade. That used to be normal. Man, he, Yeshua manifested obedience in everything that came his way. He is our example. He is the patterned son of how we are to do it. And somebody say, well, he's God. Let me tell you something. God cannot be tempted with sin. He's God only because he was promoted and accepted and qualified by what I'm telling you about today. And he had the spirit of God in him to help him do it. The same spirit that we're supposed to have in us. If, if Yahshua was just a God that came out of heaven and couldn't be tempted, I, I, I'm not impressed with that. If I hate, see, I'm trying to think of a food I hate. I can't, there's not any, I can't think of any food I hate right now. But I've hated some people's cooking of the food. So if I, let's say I hate sister so-and-so's cooking. You're not going to be able to tempt me with that. So it's not a big deal for me to resist. But if I go to Gloria's house, and on that table is some of her good cooking, and I resist that temptation, now you're showing me something. Joshua was a man who received, and he was the son of God. I don't want to get into that teaching this morning. So, But obedience, listen, of one gave us the ability now to learn and know the way to be obedient so we too can get our well done and be invited into the God family, which is immortality and ruling and reigning. Yahshua preached the gospel of the kingdom. I've taught you all that, and maybe we need to go over that later, maybe next year again. But I want you to listen to what I'm telling you right now. Because what we're talking about is getting in the right place and that your condition is not as important as your position. Because if you're in position, Psalm 133 says that the anointed one, Yahshua, that that oil will flow to every member of the body, even if you're nothing but a little toe. Which some people are little toes with hangnails, you know what I'm saying? That anointing and that blessing will come to you. And what God's trying to do is get, wipe the, the sweat off of your brow. And what he's trying to do is allow you to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. What is righteousness? Man, that's what I'm perfect in everything I never know. It's when you're in the right place. So as you are under the ones who God put over you, and we come under that authority in government, what happens is that anointing flows all the way down. It does it in house number one as the individual, in house number two. And listen, I want to tell you, I lose a lot of people when I start telling them about government or governmental order of God in the domestic realm. I have women tell me, I ain't going to do what my husband says. Well, if he tells you something stupid, then I would agree with you. If he says, hey, go in there and rob that bank. Tell him no, not just no. And then he said, but there is a divine order that God in that house is revealing to us and teaching us how to relate to God in this house, which is ultimately seeing if we're willing and will be candidates who are going to represent God in his kingdom. I hear what he just said. Well, this ain't just, we're going to go to heaven, man, going to fish every day, going to golf, we're going to fish, we're going to lay around all day long in floating clouds. That ain't nowhere in the Bible. The goal of redemption is to increase God's kingdom. Really in the universe, but I don't really want to go there this morning. But I want you to understand that submission, and I'm not talking about under duress and forcing somebody. I'm talking about submitting one to one another in love. It is the channel of God's blessing to your life. If you're out of place, you're out of grace, as they say. If you're in the wrong place, God is delivering all your goodies to another, another address. You have to be in God's place, and the, as you obey and you're submitted to what He says, then what happens is that blessing comes to your life, and He'll do it and make it easy to do. I've seen people have all kind of things, all kind of money, all kind of stuff, and they're stressed out about all things all the time about losing. What am I, I got to hang on to this? I better do this. I'm going to cover this, and they die with money, scared to death, never enjoy even what they have. I'm going to tell you when when Adam fell in the garden, he screwed everything up. 
it made a huge problem for everybody. All God asked of him to do is not do one thing. Isn't it amazing what, how tempting forbidden fruit is? That's why I never tell my son, don't you piece the beer. Don't you smoke that. Don't you do it. I never made it forbidden fruit. Because when I was a kid in church, oh, don't do that. I'm like, if it's that bad, it must be that good. I'm, I'm going I'm to break my neck doing it. Oh, I, I spent years tasting that world to only find out that it wasn't that good. But they made it so appetizing, I'm like, whoa, thank you. Like, whoa, my God, man. I, don't do that. I'm get, I'm gonna go. I, I didn't even go buy cigarettes. Let me tell you what I did. I just picked them up off the ground. I know somebody never did that before, and then... And then you take the tobacco out and you roll it in some, some zigzags and you probably don't know what that is either. God just wanted man to accept his authority. Look, because this is the right way and if you do it this way, sin is all that stuff that ain't good for you. That's all he's saying. And so when, when, man, when Adam rejected his authority and would not accept his authority and said, look, I can do it my way, I'm going to do it my way. Let me tell you what Yahweh did, uh, did not do. He did not say, okay, I'm not going to, my authority don't work anymore. But let me tell you what he did take. Listen to me, his presence. And when I hear people tell me things like, man, I'm living for God and this ain't happening for me. It ain't happening for me. I'm telling you, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You don't feel his presence in your life because he's not going to do that. But he's never going to call back his system of authority. And wherever God's authority is, it's when you and I give Yahweh a position of prominence in our life. Before ever, or anything else is done, we say yes to Him. I love my wife, but I love God more than her. I put Him in a place of prominence more than her. You know why? Because I know if I do that, it's the greatest way I could ever love my wife. Because when I obey Yahweh in my house number two relationship, then my wife's going to be treated better than if I was trying to, in my own ability trying to do something. Same with our children. So you got God maintaining his authority in the earth from a fallen man. But guess what else he's doing? He's going around trying to still establish his kingdom upon the earth. And he's got a purpose. And I've taught you that purpose. And even though man rebelled against God's authority. And even though every day man violates God's purpose, God's will, God's way. Bottom line is he ain't going to let this mess go on forever. God has not really intervened in the lives of people on the earth. Why does God let this happen? Why does God let that happen? Because he's letting us find out that there, we can't do it ourselves. But he's going to intervene one day. And the whole world's going to know. It's not going to be some hidden, private, secret spirit thing. He's going to march into Jerusalem. I mean, the, the Islam is already... Bricked up and blocked up the eastern gate because the Bible says that Yahshua, when he comes back to the earth, is going to walk through the eastern gate. So well, that's what they did. They bricked it up. I think he can get through. God ain't going to let rebellion continue. He's going to establish his own kingdom. As many people pray that they learn as children the Lord's Prayer, sometimes it don't grasp it. It says, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't say, Our Father in heaven, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. They don't know his name. They can't be hallowed. They don't know it. They don't say, I'll see you in heaven when I die. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That ain't what he said. Pray. He said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Yeshua was the first of this new creation, he was God's first kingdom man that came, and guess what he did? He established God's kingdom. How did he do it? He did it through submitting to God's way and not his way. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. My very sustenance is to obey my father. Everything that he did was in submission and perfect cooperation with what God said, and he put God before he put his own way. So this is how Yahshua came. And he began the process of establishing and setting up the kingdom of God in the earth. 
We are in training. And we are learning also how to submit to the authority of God. And to do what God wants us to do. And do it His way. Because I guarantee you, His way is better than your way. Even if you're smart. Even if you're intelligent. And we must allow the authority of God, or let's say the kingdom of God, to have a free way and manifest through us in our submitting to Him in house number one, house number two, house number three. That's what that pretty thing over there that somebody made for me years ago. Because the process here is to get your life in order with God so that God's blessing can flow to you. Do you get house number two in order where you can have, you know, I mean, look, if, if, if you ain't happy in house number two, life pretty much sucks. To get that in order and then to get this in order. And we're doing all that so we can be part of... And, Part of his kingdom because Yahweh is desiring for this ecclesia to, to be the kingdom of God, not just look forward to it coming. After Adam fell, guess what God did? He chose another man, Noah. Noah and his family, his generation. He was sorry that, he, that the whole earth, he said, I wish I hadn't made man. Because they, y'all know the story, I don't want to get into it in the antediluvian age where he just drowned everybody. Somebody told me one time, Jesus loves me, God loves everybody. I said, yeah, and he drowned all but eight one time. You want to be in that love boat? <laughs> yeah, he loves us. But he's a God of government and justice. After the flood, they were saved, they fell. So then what God did is he chose Abraham. He said, look, you're going to be the father of many nations. He said, you see those stars up there? You see that sand down there? Your, your family is going to be as, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the beach. The Bible calls him the father of many nations. The kingdom of God was built upon that. After him, he chose Isaac and Jacob. Later, the descendants of Jacob suffered in Egypt. They became imprisoned. They became slaves in Egypt. Guess what they were doing? Suffering. See, I believe that most people's sufferings is self-inflicted. Because we don't really believe what God says. and we, It's frustrating to say, I go to church and I believe God. And then nothing, there's no evidence in your life. I would, I would want to quit too. And the people do, and this is what they say. I tried it, it don't work. No, you tried Something that's not scriptural. So what did God do? They were in their sufferings. Their numbers multiplied. And then God sent Moses. And what did Moses do? He led them out of Egypt in order to what? Establish his kingdom in the flesh. A, a people yet to be immortalized or received eternal life to represent his kingdom on the earth. And guess what happened? The Bible says that they moaned and complained about everything. Knowing that those present sufferings aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that they were going to receive. Look, people say, people don't like that concept. I say, you do it every week. You go and you work a job you probably don't even like for the reward that's ahead of you. It's not a foreign dynamic. Here they were. Complaining, and that's probably what happens. People complain on their jobs all week, too. Here they are. God providing everything for them. They, they didn't need shoes. They didn't need clothes. They didn't need food. Everything was provided, but they were still rebellious. The Bible says all of those, they didn't, the, the children of Israel didn't cross over till all of those died out, and he left them all scattered across the wilderness because of their murmuring and complaining because he's looking for a people who understand Authority and kingdom. So the second generation gets in. Guess what they did? He said, look, you got to kill these Canaanites. If you don't kill these Canaanites, they're going to kill you. Did they kill them all? No. Saul, instead of doing what God told him to do, he was the first king. The kingdom could be established. 
Because he just said, look, I know, okay, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to do this my way. I, don't, I know it says that, but that's not going to apply to me. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do, do it my way here. And when it comes to that, it's like being a, a, a guy that works for the utilities department. And you're up on one of these power lines in a bucket truck. And you say, I know they say use, use uh, insula- insulation. I know they say put that mat over here. But, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that. That's probably the last thing he remembered. Go on. God said, look, I'm gonna, I want you to build in Jerusalem. That's going to be my place where my name's going to be set. Guess what they said? We're not really, we don't really like Jerusalem. We like Gibeon. And so they set the altars up there. And because of lack of submission, there was no content to the kingdom. Even though they had a king, there was no content because the people did whatever the hell they wanted to. And their relatives are with us today. True. I'm just going to do the hell I want to. Day before David, they had a kingdom. There was a kingdom, but they didn't have the people. During David's time, there was a people with the kingdom, but there was no content to the kingdom. Kingdom God wouldn't establish. So Yahweh said this, I'm going to inseminate this woman who is a virgin, with the word of God, which the Bible, the Greek word is sperma. Hmm. So he impregnated that woman with a child who did not pre-exist except in the mind and the heart of God. She gave birth to a, a human baby that had its mother's nature, but his father's character. So he was born... And he began the process. And listen, he was a human. And that's what impresses me and gives us hope that we can do everything he said. Because we quote it all the time when we want our car loan to go through. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Let me tell you something. That's about being able to obey and do everything God asks you to do. He empowers us to do that. Yahshua had it. And listen, we know he's more special than us. Come on. I mean, no, he's a special guy. But he didn't do it. He did it and overcame the same way he showed us to do it. So there's three aspects. When he was born, there's three aspects to the, uh, to the gospel. And that we're on it because we're talking about ecclesia. We're talking about house number two. We're talking about all those things, again, to reinforce us about that. But today what I'm doing, I'm taking you on to realize, so you realize that all of this has to happen so that we can see what the kingdom of God is because God's really trying to establish his kingdom in the earth. And he's going to do it. And when Yeshua comes, the Bible says he will rule with a rod of iron. So it's not just going to be, I'm, I'm not asking you to, I'm telling you to. And many of you know he's going to have all the authority and the power to do it. But we have the individual, the domestic, and corporate. The gospel gives eternal life for us who believe. Individually. In the domestic realm of our, our home, the gospel calls us to the mystery of submission by love. Because it forces you to love somebody that you see the worst in. It's easy to love somebody that you don't live with. People on that side of the church love that person on this side of the church. Hey, God bless you. I love you. As long as I don't have to live with you. Because living together, remember we talked about marriage is a mystery. It's not really about, you know, coming together and falling in love and all that. It's really about, it show, Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery concerning Christ and the church. Where the two become one. Not dislocated. They become one. He's showing us the mystery of the gospel. Of what he's asking for. The, the family is a type and shadow of the kingdom. But the family isn't the all in end of all. And neither is the ecclesia, but it is the individuals for the benefit of the family, the individual and the families for the benefit of the ecclesia, and the, benefit, the individual family and ecclesia is the benefit for what? That's what it's going to be like in the kingdom. You're just getting trained. That's what we're doing, learning. To love people individually, eternal life. Domestically, we, we learn that mystery of two becoming one, the laying on of hands that we've talked about the last three or four weeks. 
And corporately, the gospel calls people to repentance so that they can enter the kingdom of God and be part of that. So Yahweh is doing this and this and this so he can establish his kingdom. I alluded to Matthew 6 earlier about the Lord's Prayer. The kingdom of God is, you know, the kingdom is spoken at the beginning of that prayer and at the end of that prayer. Verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, or one's translation says, as in heaven, as in heaven, so on earth. But in verse 13, it goes on, it talks about the sphere of God's will. Being, uh, being accomplished, and there's nothing hindering what he does. We obey quickly and quietly because we know he's the one who determines the end result of everything that happens to you. And if God, if, no matter what you're going through, if God said, no, that's enough, that ain't going to happen to you no more, it don't matter. I was talking to somebody recently about things that, and some things that happened in my life, and they said, man, how did that happen? I said, because that person could not say no to me. He could not refuse that to me. Because God is the one that's going to determine it, not those men. They'll walk up, I don't know why I'm doing this, but here, I say, I know why you're doing it. Because the blessing flows through the channel of obedience to God's people. It goes on, verse 13, look what it says. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Go to Revelation 12, 10 and put it on the board for me, or up on the screen. I want you to listen to this. For thine is the what? Kingdom, power, and glory. Y'all hear what I just said? I got to tell you, the kingdom, the power, and the glory, those three things are related. The kingdom, the power, and the glory. Revelation 12, 10 says this. I mean, verse 13. I'm sorry. Revelation 12, 10 is what I said, right? And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Do you realize that the kingdom is the sphere of authority? Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. If, you're not, if you don't walk in the power and the authority in your everyday life, I'm telling you it's a kingdom problem. It's an authority problem. It's a submission problem because we're refusing to say, I'm going to do it the right way. It's a, like a man who will not take directions because he knows better. No, I got this. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do this. Three days later, go to, go to uh, Luke 17, 21. I want to show you something that's interesting in the translation here. I preached this before a long time ago. When I was teaching about the, king, the gospel of the kingdom. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, listen to this, the kingdom of God is within you. Do you know that that's really not true? When I say it's not true, that's just not what it says. The translation here, if you understand or you study what the Greek really says there, it, the translation does not say it is in you. It says the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So I say, I got the kingdom of God in me. No, the kingdom of God is in the midst of us. Because Yahshua was there, he's the king of the kingdom. And because he's there, the kingdom's there. It's not some mystical thing that's in us. I got the kingdom of God in me. No, we are the kingdom of God. And when we go somewhere, the kingdom of God should be represented in the midst of those that you're around. And you don't have to act some kind of religious. That's why I despise people that, man, they talk to me like this. You know, how you doing, Johnny? And then we get around other people. Hallelujah. Amen, brother. God bless you. Come, you want to pray right now? Hallelujah. I despise that hypocrisy. Yahshua the king, to be in the midst of us, is for the kingdom of God to be in the midst of us. Because the authority of God is fully executed in our king and our head. And he receives all the benefits of being a kingdom person. And as it is in heaven, it will be in your own life. I don't mean you don't have problems. I mean, you know, our bodies are, are failing us. We're having issues. The kingdom of God was upon 
Yeshua. But I'm going to tell you something. If you can grasp this, the kingdom of God is upon his ecclesia because this is the vehicle of the anointing. Unity is the vehicle of the anointing. Paul said that we all speak the same, that we all have the same judgment, the same mind. What is that same mind? Some doctrine of man? No. To do what Yahweh tells us to do. There is not any great military army or forces that are great who do not order and obey commands. This is not a new dynamic. The life of Yahshua and his anointing and kingship has been released to us if we are in position in the body to receive that anointing to our lives. Just like in house number two. You have to understand. I tell people this. So you're the, you're the boss of your house? Not necessarily. So your wife is the boss? Not necessarily. When it comes to what color paint on the walls of our house, she's full boss. You know why? Because I don't care. Matter of fact, I don't even want to know about it. Call Todd and y'all work it out. In government, I'm over my wife, which means this. I'm responsible for her. To love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it's what Paul said in Ephesians. So that's a heavy responsibility for me. Too responsible for her to God. There's a spiritual covering that you can have for your wife. Now, if you're out sinning and doing your own thing, there is no protection for her unless she is joined to an ecclesia. And the Bible says that there is an ecclesial covering, spiritual covering. But you leave, to leave our family and our kids out unprotected spiritually, but you know, a lot of people don't understand the principle. In relationship, we're friends. And nobody knows me like her, and nobody knows her like me. We're husband and wife. We're friends. The Bible calls us joint heirs together with the grace of God in life. And I understand that the, the marriage really primarily isn't just so you can have sex and have babies and buy houses and cars together and all that. The real, real reason God gave you a, a helpmeet is to help you get your well done. That's what marriage is really for. You find you somebody that's going to help you get your well done. Thank you. Then, but in servant servitude i am to serve her i'm not talking about get buying her a bell ling, ling, ling. garçon more coffee please even though i've probably even done that sometimes you understand in government i'm responsible for her to god for her in relationship we're equal man but in servanthood servitude i should be laying my life down to her like christ did at the church ladies that's a good deal but the Bible says you shall love your own husbands and submit to the authority of God in them. That don't mean, listen, if I listen to my wife, hover your ears a moment, please, honey. I don't want to just throw this in my face when we get home. But, but if I would just listen to my wife, she's like, why didn't you just do that to start with? I told you so. I don't like that. How many of you guys say, I don't like I told you so? But the fact is, if you just listened, you probably saved yourself a lot of time and money. Shall we progress? The life of Yahshua has been released to us. And his kingdom has to be propagated and established through an ecclesia, through a family, ecclesial families and true believers and individuals whose house are in order, who, individuals whose personal life's in order, whose domestic house is in order, and that makes the church in order. And guess what? Now we're kingdom people. We're doing the will of God. From time Noah God established the kingdom, but it was just a man kingdom. It wasn't really the kingdom of God. So Yahshua comes. He's the first of many. He's the firstborn of this new creation. And it was a real small thing, but oh, let me tell you something. It was a contagious thing. Because now that whole little one grain of wheat has produced many grains of wheat. And today the sphere of the kingdom of God is not limited just to Yahshua alone. But it is initiated and comes through his headship and, might I say, lordship to those who will be joined and get in the right position. That seed is in us. Yahweh's purpose is not only for us to have house number one, house number two, and house number three. But he wants us as an ecclesia 
to become the kingdom of God on earth, even though it's not yet. But it should be in the midst of, not just in me. Well, I got the kingdom of God in me, John. I got it hidden right here. No, we should be living victorious lives. And we know this in a world of tribulation. Yahshua said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. What does that mean? I'm going to get in line under him. He overcome the world. That overcoming anointing comes and will flow right to me. Not that I will avoid. He didn't say, I'll take you around it. I'll take you over it. I'll take you under it. No. But he'll walk through the middle of it with you. And so will your ecclesia. So will your ecclesia. Individual, domestically, corporately, we're to be in the sphere of the kingdom of God, and that's the place where God executes his authority. Why don't people ever see, why don't we see miracles? Because we're scattered, doing our own thing. We don't understand the very concept of God. You're out of place. You're not under the spout where the glory comes out, so to say. But when we get fitly joined together, that's when the... You know, God said, Ezekiel, do you believe this valley of dry bones can live? And that's where the old song, you know, the toe bones connect to the foot bone, foot bone connect to the, you know the song. That's a biblical metaphor of teaching us about what God is all about. A body, a multi-membered people. And that's what God is. God is one God, but he's manifested through multitudes. And he's inviting you and I. In to be part of his family. I'm in. I'm in. He just wants us to believe. I'm going to close with this. Because my friend Lynn's here. I want him to come back sooner than later. So I'm going to let him out early. The Bible don't just talk about having faith. It speaks of obedience. The Bible calls us before we come to God. which And the only way you can come to him is if he calls you. That's why I could pray for people that he'll give them that gift of repentance. Not only are we sinners, but the Bible calls us sons of disobedience. What does that mean? We're the sons of Adam. The sons of the second Adam or the last Adam are sons of obedience. What family are we in? We're in the old family. Guess what? You die, and that's the end. The wages of our sin is death. Everybody in the first Adam dies. There's no afterlife. The Bible says nowhere in the Bible that you're going to go to heaven or hell. It doesn't say that. It says, you shall surely die. The wages of sin is death. John said that for God so loved the world, that whosoever gave, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed him should not perish but have. There's only two options. You're going to live or you're going to perish. The word perish, the good example is a banana. A banana perishes and it just goes back. To the ground. It's the only options. I think that's good news for some sorry people. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty good news for your old granddaddy. Remember him? Good for nothing. Or that, that guy down the street, you know, that piece of you know what. Hey, that's good news. They don't have to burn in hell forever and ever. Because you can't burn in hell forever if you don't receive eternal life. Because you can't live forever and ever if you didn't receive eternal life. And the only re- way to receive eternal life is to be saved. And if you're saved, you don't go to hell anyhow. Is that just too simple? Or is that, I mean, it's almost confusing. It's so simple. In Romans 10, 16, we have the obedience to the gospel. <clears throat> and really, believing the gospel in principle can only be realized by obeying the gospel. If I have mud in my hand this morning, and my sister-in-law and sister have on white, and I say, I'm going to throw this mud on your white Shirts this morning. Don't get mad at me. I'm just joking. It's a, par- it's a parable. I'll be getting a butt whipping. You can say you believe me, but if you really believe me, it will provoke an action. People say, well, I believe in God, but it provokes no action. They stay the sons of Adam. I love to see the awakening of one of the sons of Adam to the gospel that I preach. I love it. Paul was enlightened on the road to Damascus. You can't just be a disciple of faith. You also have to be one of, one of obedience and a submission to the authority and what Yahweh says. And that's our journey. He's put his spirit in us, and now we yield more to his way than our flesh. And how many of you know it takes a process? It ain't going to happen overnight. It's a process of growing, just like a seed in the ground. In Acts 22.10, this is what I'm going to close with, maybe. Paul 
on that road to Damascus, when, he, when Yeshua revealed himself to him, this is what he said. What shall I do, Lord? He didn't say, what, can, what should I believe? What should this? I'm going to tell you what. That's a kingdom statement. That's a biblical kingdom. Someone who understands God. And that is this. I mean, the uncreated one. You know, the one that makes all this happen. He says, what shall I do, Lord? He not only believed, but the apostle Paul immediately became obedient. And his conversion not only made him realize that grace, but he realized that that grace was an empowerment for him to be able to submit to the authority of God. When he was moved by the Spirit of God to see the authority of God, he acknowledged one thing. Yahshua was Lord. What do you want me to do, Lord? You're the boss. You tell me what to do. My life, I give it away. That's what happens when you're baptized. Y'all understand that? You die to your own way, and now you raise up a new creation to do it His way. That has been lost in America. It's a basic, basic concept. It's the third baby bottle. Repents from dead work, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms. And what I'm teaching today is called laying on of hands. And I'm also teaching the fifth and the sixth one a little bit. Resurrection from the dead and eternal judgments. And the Bible says, if you don't know that, you can't mature. Yahweh has called you and me to receive life through faith and to restore to the earth His authority through our obedience. To correct what happened in the first Adam, it postponed God's plan. He's now looking for people who are willing to say no to the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and say yes to the tree of life. Specifically, for this ecclesia, he wants us to understand this gospel of the kingdom and to submit to his authority that he's established in his, the order of God. Because i got to tell you, if it's out of order, you'd be a fool to put a dollar in it. I tell you what, I've never put money in a Coke machine that had a big sign saying out of order. And I've never gone to the bathroom and said, well, I know it's out of order. I think I'm just going to go on in there and see what happens. Because the same thing's going to happen to you when you are out of order in your life that's going to happen to you there. Your life's going to become really messed up. To be able to let, put your head down at night and know that there is a God who personally has your interest and who cares about developing you because we are his workmanship. He's working on us, man. And he don't know, want nobody messing with us. To have that kind of peace, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God, the Bible says the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness means you're in the right place. You're joined to the right people in the right place. You're in your place. You're, you're submitted to authority of God. And then what does, it, what does it bring next? Peace. And guess what it means? It brings after that? Joy. Every one of us in here, not that we don't go through stuff, not that we're not struggling, but ultimately the bottom line is if we're in the right place and we're truly submitted and believed by faith and our obedience to God, then you're going to have peace in the midst of the storm. And the product of righteousness and peace is joy. Nobody's even smiling when I'm preaching this today. Thank you all for watching. God bless you. All right. There it is.